What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'm delighted to be joined today by Brian Lacey as we prepare for Octagon 54, which goes down um, this Saturday night in front of a, a 10,000-seater audience. Brian, I know that you've done a commentary for a lot of these big shows and all that. I was watching, obviously watching back a few of them preparing for this card, but it must be great to look at the, uh, the, the Avstar Arena, I believe it's in. You look at the capacity, see it's 10,000 and see it's going to be filled out it must be great to, to to know that's coming up a weekend and know you're involved with something like that it's pinch yourself stuff mate honestly you, you sit there and yeah it's one of those things where i always take the moment where i try and remember being there not just doing the job not just being crazy but you know some of the big walkouts or just the crowd pops and uh and and for me as well watching the fighters experience that we've got a lot of debutants coming to octagon from uh, for this this card um and seeing them feel it for the first time that's that's one of my favorite things as well yeah it's unbelievable like I think it's it's great. Like we've we've talked about it many times now about uh, I suppose Octagon coming on and there being another area for people to uh, to fight in, but also the experience of fighting in front of such big crowds. I think it's it's massively important too. Like you see people who go, let's say they go to the UFC and they have been at an Octagon or a KSW or a cage or something like that, just to be in the proper cage in front of a proper crowd and to experience that is great. And like even if they don't go somewhere else to to be the experienced fighter in the in the octagon promotion in the KSW promotion, whatever promotion it might be, it's absolutely fantastic. And the the more of that, the uh, the more of that, the better. Before we get into this card, and before we get into uh, the the whole tournament and everything like that, I want to just get your quick thoughts on Will Flory signing for uh, for octagon. Obviously, uh, I'm coming out of uh, Ireland here, and Will has been a, a big star in Ireland for a good while. How I see you're giddy with excitement about Will coming over to the <laughs> Giddy indeed, mate. I did a little podcast with him about a week and a half ago. And uh, I, I mean, when I first started doing MMA, which was the, the you know maybe 2015, 2016, he was coming up and through. So I saw him in Battlezone and I caught him there. Um, and then I watched him come all the way up through Bama. And you know, he's always been that big personality. He's always been exciting in the cage. And when he signed, I didn't know anything about it till he put this video out. So I, I don't know if you've seen it, where he does the basically calls out yeah. the whole lightweight. Even his teammates, even like Xavier, who's training jo- Johnny Walker's best mate, who trains at SBG. He's calling he's calling him a bitch, and he's calling him all this stuff. And so I was like, uh, it's it's kind of the injection we need. We need we need big personalities, but he can fight as well, mate. So I'm I'm very excited. And that light heavyweight division. He can knock that wide open with one big performance. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. hundred percent. I think like for for me, I think it's it's a good landing place for Will after you know what happened with PFL. Obviously, failing the test and everything like that, serving his time and coming back. I think like a lot of, a lot of the the PFL Bellator crew, you know, are going to be let go. I think whether it's Irish fighters or outside of that, and I think I think a place like Octagon is somewhere where you can become a star. Like I remember lads back in the day, they found it very hard to like find a place like Octagon or find a, you know, find a big promotion to make them a start to drive them onto the next level. So I think for Will, uh, someone like Will, <clears throat> it's absolutely perfect. And I'm looking forward to seeing him coming in uh, and uh, and challenging some of those lads. I know, I, I, so I, I, it was, uh, we broke the news. And I, 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 was it me or was someone in Severe Man who broke the news? And uh, that video came out and it really usurped our news break. <laughs> because he just went mad at absolutely everyone. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it and, and it should be a, it should be 
a fun run. Right, yeah. let's get into this card. Before we get in, though, could you just explain to us this Tip Sports Game Challenger tournament? I know this isn't uh, the first time it's happened now, but for people maybe who haven't seen these tournaments before, can you just explain how, how it works, what's on the line and everything like that? Yeah, no worries. So last year we uh, we started it. This was the first time we ever did it, 2023. And our betting partner in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, uh, they came forward and they said, we're going to, we want to put a project on with Octagon and we want to put up 1 million euros as the prize pot. So that is what is the potential for people to take a chunk out of in the winnings. Um, so we looked at what we could possibly do and we wanted to do it instead of doing multiple weight classes and really dividing that money up into small chunks. We thought let's do, let's focus each year on one weight class. And last year it was the welterweights. And for me, it was one of those things where it delivered every single time. Like the opening show was in Ostrava last year and we had all 16 of the contestants all the fighters fighting on the same card doing the press conference the night before. You know, all these uh, fighters, some known to Octagon, some from outside, some coming back from the UFC, some rising stars as well. Um, and they, it, it for me, it was one of those things where you see them all together and then you realize what's in front of you. You've got five tournaments, which this, uh, five events, which this tournament will be played out over. Um, and you have no idea which way it's going to go. These matchups, um, initially they're decided by the matchmaker. So the first run will be the matchmaker makes making the, the matchups after the first tournament will be down to eight fighters. Those eight fighters will then at the press conference following the fight, decide their own fate. So they will go through and they will uh, draw their next opponent. So we'll get them in order of their rankings. They get to put, pick a ball out of the, uh, the magic uh, goldfish bowl in the middle uh, between one and eight. We'll decide what number they get to go and choose. And then they'll stand in the brackets that they would like to pick. So they can either pick an empty bracket and hope someone, you know, that they want to do will, will pick them or they can decide their own fate. And, and last year it was one of the biggest bits of drama. The first event delivered as far as the fights, but then in the, the press conference afterwards to watch the fighters then decide their route, their next, you know, contestant was uh, as, as exciting as the fights themselves. And then over the next four tournaments from them, it builds till the finals where one fighter will walk away with a check for 300,000 euros. Um, and last year we had big moments like double knockdowns. We had crazy submissions. There was an inverted omoplata by Lewis Glissman. We had fighters that nobody really knew of before, like Jon Serdu come through, come back into the game and now he's been given the uh, the Octagon Breakthrough Fighter of the Year last year. So this is a tournament that's broken up throughout the year, but it was the spine of everything that Octagon achieved last year. And for me, uh, it was, I called it the jewel in the crown and, and it really was. It was exciting for the fighters, um, you know, the level of the fights and just the the gravity of the the tournament really shone through. It was it was amazing. And this year we're doing it in lightweight. So, you know, the, the book is yet to be written. We've got fighters from, I think, 13 or 14 different countries in this one um, and the best from most of the countries that, that, that they're like like number one or number two in the lightweight division from there. There are some great names in it, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about the main event first, but I, I love that, the, the tournament. And I think there's so many people in the tournament as well, like even if, let, look, injuries are going to happen, people are going to fall out. Even if that does happen, you can bring people in in a tournament like this where there are so many names, and I think it's good. And I think, you know, we, we've seen tournaments down through the years in, in mixed martial arts, and some of them have been great and some of them have been not so good, but like... I, I always like the effort, like especially these days where, um, you know, the, the tournament that said PFL do is, is very different, obviously, from this. They do the, you know, the, the, the regular season and they do the playoffs and everything. So we actually like, 
I think there's a big gap in the market for a tournament like this that people actually like. And with the quality of fighter as well, like some of the names like Macro and Armacani, Daniel Torres to me are two standouts. We'll talk about more uh, in a second. I think it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's something for say a promotion that's coming in into the, the minds of people in, uh, let's say the English speaking world as, as a new promotion. That's something that'll get people in, and I think it's it's a wise decision. I think to to do that and continue to do that and use the money that way as well. It's it's definitely uh it's there's, definitely a smart there's, decision. There's a twist in the money as well. So Tipsport this year have given two million. Oh, okay, nice. so one million is for the fighters, and one million euros will be uh, there'll be an opportunity for the fans to win chunks of that. So part of the tournament, as you said, if say there's injuries, last year we we were so fortunate because when you see these tournaments and it's over five events, and because it's fighting, you think there's no way that, that people will get through clean. There's no way that it's going to be a case of you can get from A to Z without some injuries or some change-ups. So we've got a thing which means that even if you lose your first fight the fans could vote you back in. So we call it lucky loser. Uh, and the like fans that. will be able to interact and pick their favorite fighter to come back. And they will be the reserve fight for the next set of fights. So again, even if you lose the first one, you could still be in with this chance. But what we've had, we had so much fan interaction. One of the, the big things and the um, uh, takeaways from this was how involved fans wanted to be with this you know they really got to know the fighters they got really behind their country like Greece and Serbia which was the final we had with uh, Mikhailides and Bojan Velicković uh, at the end of last year the amount of interaction we had from the Greek from the Serbian from the German fans so Tipsport have recognized that and there will also be a chance now for fans to take a chunk of uh, an extra million euros at Tipsport just chuck it on top that's all they're doing just, just an extra million on top of there Sean I, I need him as a sponsor over here. <laughs> that's, a, that's what we need. People just throw their own million quid. That's cool. Though. That's another way to get fans in as, as well. I, I Isn't it? Yeah, I like exactly. That. It's the game. It. Indeed. Let's talk about the uh, the main event of Octagon 54. So before we get into uh, the tournament, just talk about Patrick Keensel for a second, because like every time Octagon comes up, his name kind of comes up. He seems to be, you know, the poster boy for, for uh, a lot of these big cards and especially, you know, him coming from uh, coming from the Czech Republic being the type of fighter he's like looking at some of his fights over the last couple of days preparing for this he's like he he's a guy who doesn't look like he can do what he can do you know he's like a muscular sniper which is a very odd thing in in mixed martial arts to have his body type so big and so strong to be but to be able to show the shots that he does and to have good cardio too he's a like he's a real star for octagon isn't he and is there is there any story or anything you can tell us about keensel and and to describe how big of a star he actually is for octagon it's it is you know one of those things where you you recognize when a country is truly behind a fighter like patrick kinsell um he's been a pro since around like 2007 something like that he's flown the czech flag and he's fought in some of the biggest baddest promotions against some of the craziest opponents um but he wasn't he wasn't in octagon when it started uh great big he really was sort of i think it was ksw he was in yeah. uh, a couple of other promotions but he saw what was happening with octagon and you know he never held what what is you know the title in his own country so he came back with a mission because um, the the guy at the time was vimola carlos vimola is this he's the mcgregor of 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 uh, of octagon and he holds a win over patrick kinsell when patrick kinsell was coming up vimola absolutely smushed him um uh, in their fight back in 2016 so Kinsel came back uh, sort of as the second fiddle behind Vermola and people were like, is he, is he still as good as he is? And since he's returned, 
he has got better and better every time I've seen him. And we've seen the crowd respond to him. It used to be at the press conferences, they'd be all for Vimola. But what we've seen now is Kinsel, through his performances back in his home country, back in the Czech Republic, he's reignited himself, not just as far as an athlete, but also, um, you know, as a personality in sport, as, as a per- persona in the Czech Republic. Um, but for me, he's so hard to beat. He's good everywhere. His wrestling is fantastic. He stuffed every one of Carlos Vermola's takedowns. Then you look at his striking, the the spinning, oh, the, the head kick KO of Alex Lahore. It, it, he's such a versatile and, like you said, athletic, nimble middleweight with power, with experience. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys that... It, when he wasn't in Octagon, especially coming from the Czech Republic and he was fighting elsewhere, it just didn't feel right. But now he's he's back in his, you know, his home promotion and he's selling these arenas out. He like when we last called his fight, twenty thousand people were in the arena to watch him uh, you know, uh, make that walk and take on Carlos Formola. It's 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 a phenomenal following he's got and um it feels like even though he's been a pro since two thousand and seven, this is the best he's ever looked for sure. A hundred percent. It's interesting you mentioned, obviously, the, himself and Vimola uh, fought uh, in his last fight anyway, and he won that fight. It was it was a grueling, it wasn't a fight of Europe, did it, let's put it that way, but it was a grueling. <laughs> Try commentating on that one, Sean. <laughs> no, 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 thanks. No, no, no I'll I leave that with you. Uh, but look, Vimola basically held him against the cage for, for five rounds and he won the fight, you know, and we know there's no, no need to go over the scoring criteria how it works, but he won it, you know, by basically landing the better shot. But, it's, I think it's interesting coming into this uh, fight with Peter Vavzincha, um, whose name I just absolutely butchered. He, like he, I, I watched watching a few of his fights. He's relentless, just in all areas. He's a, I, he, I would say he's a better grappler than he is a striker, but his strikers also relentless. He's mad. He just lets his hands fly. But I feel like if if Amola can get him into those sort of positions, I think. Um, I think Kinsella is going to have to avoid him against Piotr because I think he is really good at kind of pulling guys to the ground from those positions, little trips, or even before it gets there, like a, a double leg or a single to actually like kind of put you off balance before it goes into a clinch. I, I think, you know, when you get to the clinch, it's maybe a little bit of an advantage uh, to the guy, obviously the guy defending, which in, in this case w- uh, would be Kinsella, I think. But it's a, it's an that part of the matchup to me, that's key. I think if uh, Piotr can get him down, if he can get him down before those long clinch battles, it's an advantage for him. But if he can't, it's... And I look on the feet, it's going to be very hard to find anyone who can move with Kinsel. And I, I don't think Piotr will in, in this one. But how do you see it going? Do you think that clinch battle as well is a big thing? It's like after watching the last fight, maybe you, I got caught up a little bit too much in the clinch because there was so much clinch, clinching in it. But look, it's hard to watch that fight and not think that someone else won't try to do a similar thing, but just maybe a little bit more effectively. Yeah, I think if he's watched that fight, that that might be Piotr. And again, this is the surname. When when they replaced Kinsel with this guy, I was like, are the matchmakers just trying to give me the hardest names to pronounce? Babajiniak. There we go. We'll give it that. Um, when when they replaced him, and like I watched his fights back, and I think you know you, you you picked out a good area for him because he's one of those fighters that makes stuff happen. It's not the prettiest to watch. He's kind of wild. He's aggressive. His pressure is certainly something um, uh, that Kinsel's got to be aware of but the cage is big and Kinsel uses it really well we've, we've seen that against fighters like Pirat Kristofic who tried to do the same to him and 
um, other fighters as well that have, have tried to contain Kinsella. And his striking is loose. He's almost got like a karate stance when he's fighting. But Piotr is definitely a, um, a handful and he's dangerous and he will bring it for 25 minutes should it go that distance uh, so for me i think the odds and if you're looking skill set wise and if if i were to be teaching technique to somebody i'd much rather be showing kinsel's breakdowns of certain positions or combinations or defenses than vavaginiak but because vavaginiak is kind of unorthodox and a bit wild i think that is something that could play into his favor particularly in those positions that you've already highlighted the the close clinch up against the cage um he has a good you know, a good rate of being able to cause damage in those positions or just break you, just wear you down. You watch some of those Babylon fights and they just look exhausted. They're, they're tiring to watch, yet alone imagining being in there with that guy. So um, it's a great main event. This will be for the inter, so this will be to unify the middleweight belt because Ravagenet won the interim one against uh, uh, Vlasto Cepo. Um, I think it's a more exciting fight than the Cepo one. Cepo won't like me for saying that, but I think Cepo is very one dimensional as far as. Big hitter, big knockouts in the first round, big finisher. But I think um, Kinsel will, will have to be switched on. And he's coming back from quite a bad injury as well. He's, he broke his orbital and that was only eight weeks ago. So Whoa. for me, when you're going in against somebody who's going to be grinding, putting their head in that position and, you know, constantly throwing shots, elbows, wherever they can damage you from, um, I think this is one that, you know, should be Kinsel's to win. But Vavaginiak is is definitely there not 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 to roll over. Yeah, Kinsel was my, was my pick. I was just about to say, but after hearing about the broken arbor late weeks ago, I'm not too sure. But I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll still ride with him. But that, that's massive though as well, like bringing injuries. We saw you know with Volkanovski there last week, bringing you know and uh, not necessarily he brought an injury in with him, but after being knocked out not too long. Yeah, you can't you can't help but like think about it. I suppose if you broke you basically broke your face they're, two months ago. Like you yeah, know? they're factors. They're yeah. absolute factors. And, and he it's like this. The other thing because uh, Cater was supposed to be in this on this card. He's not, he's, he's still going to be in the tip sport game changer, um, but he'll fight in Frankfurt instead. So he's not in the opening round, but he came back from his leg break um, against Mate Sanekidze five or six months later, went back to training and just drilling kicks, uh, fractured his leg again. Oh, so, you know, the, the, the human body needs that time to recover. And as superhuman as these guys look, you know, it still needs that time. And I think, and I know it was bad with Kinsel. I know it was, you know, um, it was nasty. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't just a, a clean break. It was depressed, and it had to be pulled back out, and all that stuff. So, for it to be fully healed and going up against the guy like that, I don't want it to be a factor, but it possibly could be. Interesting. I'm sure he'd be looking to get it out of there pretty quickly, though. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> Spinning with everything. Let's go. <laughs> if we're back in the first round knockout, maybe that's a that's a good one here with uh, with Tip Sport over there. Right. Let's talk about a couple of these tournament fights, and obviously we'll talk about them more kind of as the year goes and everything like that. Look, the standout for me is Makwan Amerikani against Mam Mashev. Um, 13 and 1 prospect coming through. I watched a good bit of him. He's only 24 years of old, uh, 24 years of age. I would describe him as a modern MMA sniper. He's one of these guys like he's he's always awake, but he's not always thrown, which is smart. I think it conserves the cardio a little bit, waits for his opportunity. You know, he's one knockout. He's been knocked out very badly, as you know, in in, in that fight. But other than that, like he's 
his hands are fast. He, like we saw with, uh, to mention the Volkanovski Taporia one as well. You know, the, the faster hands, the faster guy, the more powerful guy usually wins those sort of fights now when it's a modern guy like this. But he's fighting against Amerikani, you know, who we all know who has knockout power, um, who is very good on the ground as well. We, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, his name is Mohamed Makayev. You might you might think he's the best wrestler in the world. He's, he's more of a striker than a wrestler without a shadow of a doubt. He has been taken down a few times as well. If Amerikani comes in, remember, the, a smart game plan, a good game plan, um, like he... he Amir Kani has the skill set to be able to beat anyone, but I think if if uh, Mohammed can bring it into the later rounds, if he can, you know, weather that early storm, I think he has the beating of him. All right, but this is this is a big test for a young kind of up and comer, fourteen fights into his career, isn't it? It's an it's an exciting one to to top out. I suppose the the, the first round of the lightweight tournament. Oh, it's so exciting, and, and you know that the. the the, the name on every one of the fighters' lips that I spoke to as far as when I was saying, because they don't get to pick that fight. So, you know, the, the tournament's in their hands from the, the moment after they win this first one. But everybody wanted Maquan. Everybody wanted Maquan. They wanted that guy. They, they, you know, he's got the strongest resume as far as the, the level of competition he's fought. Um, he's an enigma as far as, you know, there's the skill set he brings and the personality as well. He's disappeared for quite a while. Um, so there's that that's going on with it as well. What's he going to look like coming back? Moving up to fe- uh, lightweight from featherweight as well. Uh, but Machayev is, he is like, he's, I got caught in a rabbit hole of his fights. So usually I watch a couple and then I'll make a few notes. But I just kept clicking. I kept clicking and going back further and just watching him sort of emerge through Austria. Um, and he's such a good decision maker in the cage for such a young fighter. And for me, you know, this is almost one of the, well, not the youngest. You've got Nafeni Nafuka in the, in, in the tournament. He's 20 years of age. Uh, but Machayev, almost the youngest in the tournament, taking on the guy with the most experience. Um, Machayev is... <sighs> You know, untested on on a, a big European stage, on a world stage, but I think he's ready for it. I think he certainly is. And for Amir Khani to come back into this tournament, any fight would be difficult. But I think this kid in particular, because this scalp will be huge for Machayev. He's got a, a massive amount of support in Austria. He's a superstar there. He's done all he can do in that uh, in those promotions. Um, but yeah, to see to see these ones battle out is great. My 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 question is, how's Amir going to look as well? I think that could be the deciding factor. He has been away. I know there was issues with, you know, a lot of fighters get it coming out of the UFC. What's next? Is it all over? Um, Things that come with that. And he's been open about talking about that. But I've seen him from the tournament where he first, you know, spoke to Octagon. He turned up and he was, he was big. He was big. Um, And I've watched him. He's come to a couple of other ones and he looks in such good shape. And mentally when he's been around, he he looks kind of dialed in. So yeah, Young Lion versus the, uh, the Mr. Finland with the greatest uh, topology um, picture, I think of any fighter. Uh, Do you know, have you seen it? You must have seen it. Does he like a top hat or something? What am I going? No, he's, he's, he's drenched in four blonde Finnish women. So that's, (laughs) most of the time they just got their their fists up (laughs) (laughs) so uh, yeah it's it's a great it's a great fight and this this sums up the i mean this encapsulates what this tournament is about you know austria versus finland um young fighter that's rising star against you know proven quantity and we saw in the last tournament we saw people come through in the welterweight division that um many thought were done and dusted andreas michaelides has never looked as good bojan velichkovic rose to the occasion so can ame can he do it or will machai of uh, you know, have his day. 
I think the next two are, are similar sort of things. You have Germany versus Spain in uh, uh, Duke against Grabinski. Like Grabinski, people might know him. He was off the, the McGregor season of uh, of the Ultimate Fighter. Like he's one of these guys that throws, you know, shots from his very high hands, very good defensively. But he's, a, I think he's a guy who's very good defensively when he's throwing. When he's kind of standing there waiting for guys to throw, I think he comes into problems. But I think one of those guys that if he's a workhorse, he's very good. But sometimes he likes to think he's a show pony, maybe. And I don't. I think that works out for him and Duke on the other side of it in a very good grappler when he gets the, f- the the fight to the ground he's very good and he kind of throws those big hooks into wrestling and just to, to add to that as well the uh, Vladimir Lingal against Daniel Torres like I was so excited when I saw, I saw Daniel Torres on this you know the only guy to beat Saladin Parnas at the correct weight class what like what a talent and in uh, uh, the the Lingal uh, young lad let's, let's call him that he's come back against Sheik well, I think, uh, like, I'd never seen that fight before until last night. I, that's one of the best comebacks. It reminded me of Pat Barry, Czech Congo. You know, it was absolutely unbelievable throwing those big spinning elbows, hip tosses. Uh, that, that, you were calling that, weren't you? That must have been an unbelievable fight to call. That was crack. It was. It was. And he's from the Czech Republic. And that was in the Stranitsas. That was the open air stadium one. And it's, it's, it's 7,000. So it's the smallest show they do. Sold out. We did it two nights in a row. 7,000 people. And it was as loud as 20,000 people when when that that happened everybody's jaw was on the floor the combat was crazy and that you know Lengal is someone who's come from Muay Thai, come from boxing. He's the Czech champion in boxing. He, uh, in 2022, he was voted fighter of the year. He had 12 professional fights in 2022. I think four MMA fights uh, and the rest boxing or Muay Thai. And he went 11 and one over that 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 time, including fighting Carol uh, Rishavi, who's um, uh, an octagon fighter at lightweight. Took him on short notice and was losing the first round and then threw a spinning elbow which broke the guy's jaw and I mean you know he couldn't put he couldn't hold it up he literally the guy called the fight up for Chavez so you've got Lengal here wanting to prove himself on a big stage against Torres who's already done that people are talking about Torres being the favorite in this tournament you know his skill set um, the kickboxing background uh, he's, he's he's such a good good well-rounded mixed martial artist but his striking is exquisite but going up against Langal, that's his bread and butter so I think that's for me that's my pick for fight of the night. I think if people are looking at the whole card, I think those two coming together stylistically could steal the show. A hundred percent. I would agree with that. Like Lingal, he doesn't have the best record in the world, six and three, but he's almost one of those guys. Like you don't matter what, it doesn't matter what his record is. He's just such a fun fighter. You're going to watch. You just anyway. watch every time, every time. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's, he's evil in there as well. You know, he doesn't let anybody off the hook and he'll take one to he'll take three to give one, one of his, that's, that's the 100%. kind of guy he is. I can't wait to see that one. Um, you mentioned uh, Nafuka there earlier on. He's eight, no prospect coming through, and he's fighting uh, Petrak uh, Bagdanovich, who is a very good grappler, very, very strong as well. And Nafuka is a, is a fantastic grappler. He's so, so strong. I want to ask you about him, but I also want to ask about uh, Akon Wanless, um, who's fighting Shahil uh, uh, Shiraj. A guy who, to me, I view him as someone like Nafuka still. Like, I saw him coming through. I, I, I was getting texts from my, my uh, UK colleagues saying, this is the guy, this is the guy coming through, the next guy from Renegade. And look, it hasn't gone all his way. Still, he's 7-2. and two. He's a pretty good record still at this stage. But Ekam Onless is a sort of guy, I think, like, uh, like Nafuka, who could become a star from something like this. Like, if one of those two guys was to win this, 
you know, get that belt, get that big money, they could go really go on to the next level. And it's exciting to see. I, I assume you're looking forward to seeing the two of those guys. Obviously, they're not fighting each other, but in, in separate fights, we might fight each other down the line. It's very exciting. That's, that's the thing. Them. That's yeah. the thing. We're looking at this card and it could all go, it, you could draw lines across to each different one, looking at different matchups or styles. Uh, for me, say, same as you, Akon, I was watching him come up and I was like, this is the guy. And I still don't know why he isn't. I still don't know why he hasn't got the biggest following or, you know, the audience aren't interacting with him as much. His fighting style is fun. Seven finishes, seven wins, seven finishes, well-rounded. You know, he's he comes out with uh, the showman stuff with the... <laughs> lightsabers and the, the the outfits on and you know plays the crowd so he's a showman he looks great he speaks well but something hasn't quite been and i think like you just said i think this could be the stage and the spotlight that really do it for him and i also know from um sort of speaking to the matchmakers or speaking to akon it's so hard to get in fights he is massive at lightweight he is massive I've, I've seen other fighters from the lightweight division come up and speak to me and say how does he make how does he make that that limit that 70 point how does he hit it every single time um and you know for me it's it's this this is the car where no one can say no to him and he said it himself you know i'm in the tournament so no one can dodge me. No one can, you know, if if they're in this with me and they progress, they're going to have to fight me at some point. So for him, I think it's it's without a doubt. And for many of these guys, the biggest moment of their careers. But I feel like him in particular, I feel like there's something that could catch fire, which makes him, you know, look back at this year as the year that changed changed his life. So that, that excites me. He's against Sahil Siraj, who is a beast, right? So he's at nine and two at, 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 uh, in MMA, but he's had something like 50 Muay Thai K1 fights. 31 of those wins have come by knockout. Calls himself the knockout prince. Trains with Reza Madadi and Alicante over there. He's got this... Um, uh, newfound love for, for training because he, he never trained in camps before. This is the mad thing. He had that whole professional career in K1 and Muay Thai and he never had a camp for a fight until two fights ago. That was his. Uh, that was when he was on FCR, forgotten who was fighting, but he fought there and that's the first time he's actually, you know, scheduled a camp where he's been under somebody and Reza Madadi was telling him what time to turn up for training, what he's going to do, what to eat. And so for me, I was like, What? You achieved all of that by fighting as as an amateur, potentially. Like, you know, just having the skills, but not, you know, giving it the best that you could to to, to get where you need to go. And so for me, I feel, I feel like he's one to watch. So I think Akon has got his hands full with Siraj, but we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. And Nafuka, what a kid. For the Namibian nightmare, 8 and 0, I think seven finishes, six submissions, one, one knockout. Um, he is just the, the most. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but when when you when you he, 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 I'm going to describe him as a woman in an American movie. When he walks through the into a room, it lights up. That's what I'm going to say, Sean. That's it. He's got that type of personality. He's enigmatic. He's you know uh, he's infectious. And then when he fights, he he does things to fight. It's like Peter Gabal is a great uh, grappler. And he tied him in knots and choked him out in, in Octagon. And to watch a kid that's 20 years old do that to an experienced fighter. Um, yeah, he's earned his spot in this. He, he's earned this chance. And his story is mad as well. His, his mom and dad brought him from Namibia to Germany. Um, they lived basically a very poor life. So they went back to Namibia. But then they, they went back to Germany for a, a second time. But they, they couldn't go back to where they lived. So they lived in a refugee camp. 
So he grew up in this refugee camp with all the stuff and all the, you know, the, the hardships that come with that type of life. And now he's dedicated every single one of his performances to his mom and to his dad who worked to give him the means to be able to go and train and do the sports that he loves. And um, so when you hear these stories behind a 20 year old kid, you kind of can't help rooting for him. But Bogdanovic, uh, 14 fight win streak he went on in Serbia then lost to Will Brooks uh, at, at welterweight so he went up for that fight and then he's been back and he's won, won the last one he is um, yeah he's very hard to beat he's never been submitted he's clever in and out the cage he's a law student as well as a, an MMA fighter um, and he's inspired by the the swell of support that Bojan Veličković got the the um, you know, the press he got, the media, the following he got from that that country. So Bogdan uh, Bogdanovich wants to sort of follow on in that. So great, great fights, Sean. Great fights. Now, I, uh, I, uh, I was talking to my guy, Sean Dini, who always helps me with the pronunciations and the facts and everything. He was the first one he mentioned Navuka, and I was like, okay, I see, I see why when I watch him as well. And to hear that story, Absolutely magic. Can't wait to see him fight. The last three fights then, uh, with the former champion, Mateusz uh, Ligurski, taking on uh, Mateusz uh, Keut, um, uh, Roland Pardise against Attila Karma, as I think a lot of people would know, you know, fought in Bellator and has been around. Uh, he had that big knockout against uh, Davi Galan as well, who, you know, Davi Galan, a very good fighter. If you're beating him, you know, you're, you're going well. And in uh, the last fight, um, uh, a Frenchman and Jason Oponet against uh, Lucas uh, Rajowski, who, again, another guy who's been around for a, a long time who've you know I've, if you're like me previewing some of them cards that's that's a name that comes up you know on a lot of these so uh out of those three fights i suppose what what would be the standout uh stand out to you or, or a name or two to look out for yeah for, for me they're, they're great fights uh Ligurski versus Koho it's an interesting one for me Ligurski is the first ever octagon lightweight champion undefeated in octagon he's only lost that one fight in ksw um but he beat Kohu quite handily not long ago. So Kohu has got to make some big changes and he's now training with the likes of Cosma and people like that. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Kohu looks in this one. Uh, Pone versus Rajowski, that's just oozing experience, both of those two. But the one to watch for me is Paradisa versus Attila Korkmaz. Paradisa is the current octagon lightweight champion. That belt is shelved. Uh, it's on pause for this whole year while this tournament takes place. Um, but he won it. He beat Ivan Buckinger in one hell of a fight and one hell of a performance. He's on, you know, uh, a streak, which is the form of his life. His only loss in recent memory is to Lozan Cater. So those two could meet back up in, in this. And he's been calling for that fight for a long time. Um, so for me, he's he's a unique lightweight because of the size of him. I, I watch him weigh in in the morning and then I do the weigh-ins at night, at the evening. So I see him stand on the scale. From nine o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock, usually as when he weighs in, he'll weigh at, at the, the top end of the card to the five o'clock or six o'clock ceremonial weigh-ins where we do the face-offs. He can put anywhere between 10 to 12, 13 kilograms on in that amount of time. Man. So that shows the size of this mm. guy. But Attila Korkmaz, you, you said it, people know him, but he's kind of like being a nomad. He's fought in lots of different organizations, very reputable ones from, you know, um, UAE Warriors to Bellator. Uh, he fought on ACB back then. He's fought on a number of big shows and he's always been that that guy that, you know, can be the star killer. 
He's he's got the skills. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. His nickname is Fearless because he fights like that. He really brings the fight. No one no one intimidates him. Um, so for me, I think this is this is going to be a fun one. Paradisa, without a doubt, will have the crowd behind him. But Cortman, as I've seen it before, I've called the fights where he silenced that type of crowd. So that that again, one one to watch. There's so many send notes, honestly, and I'm I'm even more excited now after talking through them with you. And uh, <laughs> oh, it's it's you got to come to a show, Sean. Uh, you got to come and watch a show. Come to me. Come to <laughs> come to <laughs> all happening here. Bring a, uh, sure, just surely bring a show to Ireland at some stage. Considering it's, it's, the guys in the UK, we're, we're we're in talks. It has to happen. And again, we we need to get more Irish fights. There was talks of a couple of Irish lightweights potentially being in this, but they didn't get. Um, they signed for other promotions. Damn them. But uh, you know, uh, I feel. Like like we need that tricolor coming through the through the cards a little bit stronger from now on. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Brian, thank you very much for joining me. I'm looking forward to uh, watching this card. If you uh, want to watch it as well, ch- check it out. You'll find it everywhere on the, the Octagon Instagram and Twitter and everywhere like that. Where to watch it in your local area? But for now, Brian, thank you very much. This was the Sheehan Show, and thank you to everybody for tuning in.